Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we are live, but we got to let the stream breathe just for a few seconds while we make sure we've got the entirety of our audience here with us live. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I'm, in, uh, I'm on the road doing – I'm traveling this week for some family stuff, and I'm in a hotel. That's why my, my background looks a little bit different. I, I forgot to bring my hat, so you're getting the, the bold, you know, bald dome of Chad Jensen. But what's good, dude? How are you, how are you holding up in the aftermath episode? Coming out of that gut reaction of Broncos Raiders, how what, what's your perspective today? I think my perspective is is the re- resignation I'm having on Drew Locke. Not that I'm giving up on him, but the, I think the resignation that's sinking in that he's not what I thought he was going to be at least this season, and he hasn't taken the steps forward. Or the Broncos coaching uh, wasn't what we hoped. A lot of finalities, Chad, after yesterday's game because that was like if there was a faint if the Broncos playoff hopes were on life support yesterday, just yanked the plug out. It's done now. So the finality of that and turning the page to 2021 and the resignation and the and the possibility that they might have a new quarterback, maybe a new coordinator or two. So I'm I'm kind of wading through those waters rather than reacting negatively or positively to the loss yesterday. Yeah, there's there's no getting around it, man. It was brutal. And even though some of the emotion of the disappointment and just the you know, it's just so such a face palming game, some of that's worn off, but Nevertheless, it was disappointing, and I'm with you that it was there. There is maybe some I don't know about finality, but I'm with you on on it that you're we're kind of forced to to reexamine this whole thing with Drew Locke through a different lens, and it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to be the guy. It doesn't mean that the the book is written on Drew Locke, and you know that's all she wrote. But he's obviously got a lot farther to go in terms of his development to be that guy that we thought he could be this year than where he is right now. And I think the Broncos at this stage, they're open to giving him the time he might need to develop, just reading between the lines of what Fangio said today and just interpreting the optics and smoke signals out of Broncos HQ. But the reality is it probably adds up to seven more games, Zach, and might end up only being six because one of the stories that we ran today, milehighhuddle.com, courtesy of Zach Kelberman, is this, the, rea- the realization that Drew Locke might not be good to go, even though he finished the game with those ribs. Zach, you had the story. Break it down for us today, what Fangio had to say about Locke's injury. 
Uh, Locke is pretty sore today after taking an absolute beating against the Raiders yesterday. I believe it was NFL Network reported. It, he strained a muscle around his rib area. No fractures, no structural damage. So he's going to be sore going into practice on Wednesday. Fangio said he's questionable. And Fangio admitted that he probably won't play without practice time. So he has to get in at least a limited practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday to have a shot of suiting up Sunday. It's a matter of pain tolerance, it sounds like right now. But when you look at a team like New Orleans, Drew Brees broke some ribs yesterday. He punctured along. He, he's probably out for a few weeks. It could have been worse with Drew Locke, but it's an injury that you can't just rub some dirt on. You have to breathe with your, your ribs. You have to go back and pass and move around. So right now, unofficially, he's questionable for Week 11 against a tough Dolphins team. You know, not to be too conspiracy theory here, tinfoil hat, but it's also a very convenient opportunity slash excuse if the Broncos did want to sit him down without having to, you know, deal with the optics of saying we benched Locke because of play. No, he wasn't healthy, so we decided it was in his best interest to give Brett Rippon a swing at the plate against the Dolphins. It does set that up as a potential storyline to monitor this week. Yeah, uh, they have two guys, obviously, in Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon that made starts already for the team this season. And uh, it, it reminds me a little bit, and I saw this on Twitter, of the Flacco situation last year where he did have a neck injury, supposedly, but they used that as the excuse to get him out of the starting lineup. And that could be the trend of a Vic Fangio coach team. He did it with Elijah Wilkinson. He l- literally would not bench the guy until he suffered an injury, then he finally got him out of the game. I'm not buying into this one. I do think Fangio told the truth when he said, Drew gets the remainder of the year. He has to play. We have to find out what we have in him. Um, If he can play, if his pain tolerance allows, he will play. I don't think there's a a conspiracy or a a coup against Locke. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I mean, honestly, the team would be in dereliction of duty to not get as many games, now that you're sitting here at 3-6 and for the fourth consecutive year. In your first nine games, you go 3-6, and But now that you're there, you would literally be in dereliction of duty to not grind this out in terms of seeing what you have in Drew Locke and giving him every – because, I mean, what's one of the stories – not stories. What's been one of the tropes from Vic Fangio week in and week out is as Locke has struggled in the erratic play and the inconsistencies, he needs more time on task. He needs more reps. We heard from Pat Shermer about how they lost the 1,400 or so reps from OTAs and and preseason. So this is your chance to – give him as many reps as possible to give you as full of a body of work to evaluate going into 2021 as possible. But, you know, taking off the tinfoil hat completely, anyone who's ever had a rib injury and then you talk about mobility with your arm and your shoulder and, oh, man, it it can really – it can really affect things, but at the same time, this is the NFL. You know, a lot of guys, they'll they'll get a shot pregame, go out and do their thing. So it'll be be interesting to see how it uh, progresses through the week. One thing I'm seeing pop up, though, is that Locke detractors, not that I'm excusing him here or defending him, but any injury he suffers, they point to him being injury prone now. And let me just tell you something, guys. You touch the hot stove, you're going to get burned. Don't be surprised when you do get burned if you touch a hot stove. You plop Drew Locke or any quarterback behind that offensive line, you're going to see injuries happen. It's a continuing theme, and he was battered and bruised yesterday. The Raiders were consistently in the Broncos' backfield on run plays, on pass plays. So I just want to dispel the injury-prone narrative around Drew Locke right now. The reason he suffered the injuries this season mostly was due in part to the offensive line. All right, there are a few super chats that have stacked up. Obviously, we want to see what's on your guys' mind. There's a lot to get to still in terms of aftermath, picking up the pieces, a few things that Vic Fangio had to say today, including an update on Shelby Harris, 
his timeline for week 11, the curious situation that was going on with Michael O.J. Mudia, Philip Lindsay's touch share. We'll get to all that, but first we do have to take care of a couple of matters of business. Yes. Tonight's live stream podcast, guys, is brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Listen up, Broncos country. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado, as you all know. But here's what makes sportsbetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans like you. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. In-house bookmakers, not a third-party provider of odds. Reduced juice and best prices you'll find on the internet today. Hassle-free bonuses, one-time rollover. That means you keep the bonus money after only you bet it one time, whereas other sites range from 5 to 30 times. That bonus money is yours to keep. Finally, 24-7 live customer support. That means you're always getting a real person in the U.S., never a robot, never anything other than a real live human being when you do contact sports betting. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. That's not just one bet, but all of your bets. Play for a week, and if your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover 100% of the difference up to $1,000 with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. Zach, you'll have to let me know if there are any, any uh, internet issues. I'm, I'm on hotel Wi-Fi tonight, so I've noticed a couple of, a couple of uh, spinning wheels here. So if it does end up becoming a, a distraction, then we might just have to make this a solo Zach pod, and I do have to dip out a little bit earlier tonight than a, than I might usually. I'll be able to hang out with you guys and, and talk some some football with you and Zach, but I do have to get out of here a little bit earlier than I might normally like to. So, Zach, just let me know if uh, things start acting up on the internet we'll side. But real quick, guys, follow the pod on Twitter. I won't take too much time here. At Huddle Up Pod, main account, at Mile High Huddle. Of course, if you're in a position to, we want to give you a gentle reminder to check out the merch store. Head on over to huddleuppod.com and get your swag on. Get a football priest hat, get a Mile High Huddle hoodie. There's face masks, there's mugs, there's a little something for everybody. One of our superstars, Muhammad Badri, sent us a selfie today rocking the swag, and it uh, it looks good. It pops, baby. So it's another way to support what we're doing here. And if you're not in a position to do those things, including become an official supporter on Facebook, just click the blue button if you'd like to support us on Facebook. It's all good. These three things each and every one of you can do, whether you're with us live or listening after the fact, subscribe, like, and the big litmus test is if you think Zach and I are doing a good job for you, share this video out there and help the Huddle Up podcast, help Mile High Huddle continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com energyaudit energy audit.
Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy as an American to make a difference in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you are volunteering. Here's the truth, gang. Our waterways are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results? One billion, that's with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. You got to get out there and enjoy the naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV, and it's only 90 calories, Zach. Man, Broncos country. Watching Drew Locke was a struggle in that game, but what got me through it was definitely my Coors Hard Seltzer. Guys, even in times where the Broncos are bad, Coors Hard Seltzer is always good, good, good. That's right, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program. By simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It's that simple. Never before has it been so easy and so enjoyable to make a difference in the world. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's grab this super real quick from Christian. Appreciate you, Christian. Thank you. He was very active in the Gut Reaction pod. And uh, he's a longtime listener, and he's got something else on his mind. And it's similar to some of the uh, topics from, from yesterday that, that he was curious about. But appreciate the super chat, Christian. He says, realistically, do we get a new owner by the middle of next year? And if so, do you see it being Brittany Bolin or the team being sold to somebody like Peyton Manning? Zach, right now, the court case that was being pursued uh, between Beth Bolin Wallace uh, Brittany Bowen, the, the Bowen Trust, all that got put on hold and delayed because of the pandemic. And it's not even going to begin until 2021 from everything I've I've read in terms of being up to date. Obviously, Nikki Jabvala, who used to be with The Athletic, she did the best reporting with regard to the whole court case and the, you know, the ownership struggle and what's going on there. But she since moved to greener pastures and is no longer covering the case. But nevertheless, Zach, it's a can that's getting kicked down the road, not only into 2021, but to answer Christian's question, I think what I mean, it would be a stunner to see this thing get resolved even next year. It's yeah. looking like 2022 at the soonest. And it, my bet right now is that this thing ends up getting sold to an, uh, you know, a rich owner. And I don't think Peyton Manning's got the scratch. No, I mean, and a lot of Broncos fans are holding out hope for Peyton Manning coming back as a head coach or a GM or as an owner. It's really not going to happen. It's it's a long shot there. Um, I'm with you. I'm not really that much on the legalities of the case for the most part, but I understand that Brittany Boland is in the lead, and uh, if the trust wants to pass the baton, so to speak, it will be to her. Not going to be Peyton. I can see an owner. Um, I forget the guy in Denver, the billionaire, uh, Robert. 
I forget his name. Uh, he was a candidate as well. I mean, Bezos, his, he's being thrown around his name, the Amazon owner, as a potential buyer for the Broncos. It's not going to happen, though, next year, not just because court cases take so long, this is so complex, but because of the pandemic, by all accounts, we have a you know a transitional presidency going on right now. It's not going to be normal probably until 2022. So selling the team and going through the tour cases is going to be delayed, I think, for another year, if not much longer than that. Which is why it really would be an upset to see any kind of change at the top of the football operations chain of command. Like John Elway, the biggest change I could see happening, Zach, is if John Elway were to fire Vic Fangio, and I'm not predicting this, this is just like the the, the worst I could see happening is if John Elway were to fire Vic Fangio and say, look, I'm going to step back as GM. I'm just going to be the president of football operations that kind of presides as an executive. I'm going to bring in an outside guy or I'm going to hire a coach who wants GM duties and I'm going to relinquish that day-to-day grind to somebody else. But let's grab Boba Virus here jumping in. Appreciate the question and being with us tonight, Boba. He says, hey, guys, it sucks right now for younger QBs doing better than Locke with less games and experience. What do you guys think? Is it Locke? Is it Shermer? Do we draft another quarterback or give him another year? Zach, one thing that Vic Fangio said last night, and again, when we go live with our gut reactions, we never have time to watch the or sit in on the uh, post-game pressers, right? Because we go instead of being on that, we come straight to you guys with the gut reaction. But after the fact, we learned, Zach, that Vic Fangio said, listen, everybody's fingerprints were on that abject horror of a team performance in Vegas yesterday. The answer is both. It's Locke and it's Shermer. And yesterday, I think, Zach, it was more a really, I mean, we boiled it down, I think, quite uh, quite well in terms of distilling it down to the essence. It was more on Drew yesterday. But at the same time, Zach, Shermer did not do him any favors in terms of, I mean, we could talk about the run game, the failure to to execute, yeah. the failure to design a good running game. Philip Lindsay gets four touches. We're going to talk more about that later on in this podcast, but four touches to arguably your best and most dynamic offensive player gets four touches. So there's, there's plenty of blame to go around, and as, as Fangio said, everybody's foot, uh, fingerprints are on this. Four carries compared to 47 pass attempts for Drew Locke, a, an erratic quarterback in a mostly one-score game. That is all on the coaching staff. That is all on Pat Shermer. He has no idea how to call a game. He has no idea how to game plan. He has no idea what he's doing with the current collection of Broncos talent. He has been a culprit the entire season, along with Locke, along with the offensive line, along with the injuries, along with everything else. But yesterday's game, uh, if you want to split it down in and, and, and percentages, I think it was 70% Drew Locke and 30% Pat Shermer. I think that's that's fair to say he was horrible yesterday, Locke. He was the worst I've ever seen him, and he visibly to me and tangibly took at least two steps back. So there's always multiple culprits, and Shermer and Locke are both this season. But yesterday, I'm with you. It was mostly Drew. Shout out to Zeus McPeak. We call him uh, Zeus in this uh, in MHH. He's up there on MHH Mount Rushmore, longtime listener, bona fide superstar. And uh, we love you, buddy. We appreciate you. And this is a guy who's not only dedicated to the Denver Broncos as a fan, Hell or high water, rain, sleet, snow, stew's there for the Broncos, but he's dedicated to MHH and being there in the community, supporting what we're doing here with the content. And then, of course, you know, being a part of the conversation. We love you, Zeus. You mean a lot to us, buddy. Thank you. We got a, speaking of a super chat superstar and an MHH Mount Rushmore guy, Mike Evans rocking the football priest T-shirt with the stadium in the background, one of our favorite YouTube profile picks. Mike, we love you, bro. He says, I like and respect Fangio, but 
is he the right person to get our offense going in the right direction? Zach, if up to this point, all we can say is apparently, based on the evidence, apparently no. not. <laughs> apparently not. I, I, he's a strictly a defensive guy. And the reason he hired Pat Shermer was to say, okay, I'm hands off now. You go run the offense. I can run my defense. It's not just that he's not an offensive minded coach. He's not really a head coach to me. And I know it's a, pre- a premature calculation for me to say right now or me to think or, or dream up, but Fangio has proven he is not well-versed in all three sides of the ball. He does not step in there and restore order. He knows nothing about offense. He is, he is complicit with a horrible special teams unit. I just think overall what he's ex- exposing himself to be is a 60-plus-year-old defensive coordinator and a little more than that. Yeah, to Spicy Mike's point here, he says, Vic just looks lost. I mean, letting them punt when they already turned the ball over on downs at the 31. That was horrible. He provided a little context to that today. And, you know, in his defense, it's a it's a flashbang type decision that you have to make in the moment. And I can find the quote here, Zach. But basically, the way he laid it out is the, the guy in his ear that was seeing the replay, because they actually spotted that carry as a first down according to Fangio, is that the spot on the field was a first down. Now, upon the television broadcast, that is not clear that the official spotted it as a first down. It was a fourth and one. It was close. I, it looked like to me that he was down early, like he was short, right? But yeah. he was being told in, the, in his ear that it's not definitive, and they spotted it first down. So he hedged and took the, took the, uh, you know, the penalty instead. But if there's any apprehension, if any question at all, why not call a timeout? Why not force a challenge? Why not flag down an official? This is not a one-time occurrence with Vic Fangio and the clock management. Remember earlier in the season, I think it was the Tennessee game, he kept all his timeouts in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, time management quickly is becoming a flaw of Fangio's head coaching you know, apparatus. And that's why I'm telling you he's not really cut out, for the most part, up until now, I think, to be the leader of men we thought we were getting. Here's a very pertinent question that is very front of brain for Broncos country right now from Scotty Partridge on Facebook. Thanks for being with us, Scotty. He says, how can a line coached by Mike Munchak look so bad? Zach, we're scratching our heads on this as well. You know, I mean, just real quick, and then I'm going to serve this over to you. Garrett Bowles is the one shining example of a guy that's doing a good job. But then you go to Dalton Reisner, second round pick, a year removed, regressed. Lloyd Cushenberry really needed those 1400 offseason reps that they lost. Not, you know, he's he's barely treading water if that. Graham Glasgow has missed three games now, two to two to the virus and one to an injury, and when he's been on the field, he just hasn't been that glue that that you expected on a four-year, 44 million dollar contract. And then the right tackle of course Zach has been a turnstile. So, on one hand, that kind of explains a lot, but really Zach, I think it comes down to the fact that Offensive linemen do not receive the type of position coaching in college uh, that they used to. And so every offensive lineman enters the NFL somewhat behind the eight ball. They need those offseason reps. In fact, if there's any position group right now, more the most impacted by the lack of offseason is probably the offensive line. And then, of course, Drew Luck. But is there any possibility that maybe Mike Munchak, he's not this all-knowing, all-doing God? Is there any possibility that's why he's no longer in Pittsburgh, Chad? I mean, I'm not saying he's a horrible coach, but he everyone thought every he would touch every player. They become gold. They become all pros. That didn't happen. It actually turned out the opposite. You mentioned Dalton Reisner's regression. That's evident as well, and that's the biggest blight, I think, on Munchak's 2020 resume. And I also counter with, is it Mike Munchak getting this out of Garrett Bowles or the monetary incentivization 
from Garrett Bowles, not having a contract, playing for a new deal. I, I think a lot of it has to do with that as well, and also his reputation around the league as being this horrible tackle. I'm sure Mike Munchak has helped, but everybody else in that line has gotten worse, and that's a theme. Tom El Greco jumping in up there north of the 49th parallel in Canada. Appreciate you, Tom. Bonafide superstar. He says, if Drew Locke loses time, he's done, guys. Meaning that if he misses another game, right? He missed most of week two. He missed all of week three, all of week four. Week five ended up being their bye. Came back week six. If he misses another game, is he done? I don't know. That might be a little hyperbolic, Zach, but it's definitely – Again, if you're going to try and, and get as much of a body of work, you know, evidence of what Drew Locke can do, right, to, to evaluate going into 2021. And maybe right now, as we talked about last night, the ticker's pointing in the direction of he's not the answer long term. But if you want a definitive answer or as close as you can get to a definitive answer on that two years into his career, you got to hope that he can play all these remaining seven games. I've heard this before, though. I heard it when he suffered a shoulder injury. He's never going to get his job back. He's done with the Broncos, and look, he came back and won a few games. Um, if you guys are expecting, though, Brett Rippon to step in there on Sunday and beat the Miami Dolphins in their defense, you have another thing coming to you. So it's not going to matter with this offense, with this coaching and this offensive line, what quarterback you have. And that being the case, it's better in that scenario to at least throw the high upside, low floor guy out there and see what you can make of him. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Cody wants to know on Facebook, the Broncos need to get Lindsey more carries, Philip Lindsey. Our offense is completely different when he is going. And, you know, look at the last game the Broncos won, right? Week eight against the Chargers. That whole comeback was sparked by Philip Lindsey's 55-yard touchdown the week prior. You know, he gets, what, 80 yards rushing on seven, eight carries against the Chiefs. And uh, the Broncos, and then he gets the, he gets the concussion and, and he misses the second half. But and then the week be- before that against the Patriots is his return from his turf toe, and he rushes for 100 yards on the road against a Belichick defense. Yes, when he is a focus of this team's game plan, it makes a difference on the offensive product on the field. Shocker. Here's what Vic Fangio said in regards to just kind of questions of, hey, man, he only got, did Philip Lindsay four carries yesterday. Is he not healthy? What's going on? Here's what Fangio said today. Quote, he's probably not 100% coming off the injuries he had talking about his concussion, talking about turf toe. He tweaked it a couple of weeks ago, the toe, but he's plenty fine. I think he's like a lot of running backs at this time of year, close quote. And Zach, reading between the lines and the tonality of Fangio today, he's just as mystified, to be honest with you, as we all are. Like he doesn't know, which is it speaks to one of the previous questions and comments here tonight is that how how much of – how in control 
is Vic Fangio of this offense. It doesn't appear that he has any. Like, he didn't have any answers as to why. Like, literally, justify to a a credible media core, to a fan base that knows which way the wind blows, why your best offensive player touched the ball four times. Here's the difference, though, between you, me, and Vic Fangio. He has the power to step in there and make this right. He has the power to get in there and, and go to Pat Shermer's offense and be like, do this, do that, don't do, don't do this, don't do that. He's not doing that. He's completely hands-off. So he's complicit, Chad. He's going along with it and acting mystified. He's almost like separating himself from Pat Shermer. He's like, okay, I don't want to be associated with that offense. And that's not the right tone for a head coach of the entire team to take. He's the one who hired Pat Shermer. So it falls on him as well. And let me just tell you something about his excuse about not getting Philip Lindsay, Lindsay carries. Locke is on 100%. He had a right throwing shoulder injury and threw 47 times yesterday. There is no reason why Philip Lindsay, being as explosive and talented as he is, has four carries. And one of those carries was an inside second down shotgun handoff that went nowhere. nowhere. They are completely yeah. wasting and misusing Philip Lindsay. And at this point, Chad, I hope if it continues at this pace, he plays for a team that at least gets to use him correctly as he deserves. And if the recent trends are any indication, you know, if he does end up leaving, knock on wood, and I'm really knocking on wood this time, um, he'll probably go somewhere else if he does and have himself a nice little career. And then Broncos fans and the media will go, why wasn't this happening in 2020? Now, for what it's worth, Broncos still control Philip Lindsay in 2021 as a restricted free agent. It's just going to be dependent on what level they tender him. It'll be interesting to see Jerry jumping in, one of our Facebook supporters. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, he says, if the rest of the team play like they did on Sunday, we won't win. Yeah, it really wasn't. Everyone had their fingerprints on it loss. And, again, we we boil it down mostly to the impetus being on Drew. But the defense, I mean, what is it, fourth game in a row they've allowed over 30 points? And, you know, this was the second in three weeks that they allowed a two, you know over 200 yards rushing since Mike Purcell went down. Black Knight 232 jumping in with a question here, Zach. If Brett Rippon – blows the doors off this game. So if, if Brett Rippon does play against the Dolphins, how bad does it look for Locke? Bad. And I think, honestly, Zach, I think the biggest thing fans will notice, good to see you, Muhammad. Appreciate the super chat, my Thank friend. You, he says it's hard to evaluate Locke when he isn't playing. True. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing fans will notice, if you see Brett Rippon reenter the fray in comparison to what you've seen from Drew lately, Zach, is just that composure pre-snap, recognizing what the defense is doing, reading the field, reading the defense better, uh, pre-snap protection calls. That is going to be more on point, but where you're going to lose out compared to Drew is some of the physical uh, athletic traits that that Drew just has him beat on by a mile. Now, you know, being an athlete isn't everything when it comes to playing quarterback in the NFL. Just ask, you know, Jamarcus Russell. There's, there's a litany of former highly drafted quarterbacks who were great athletes but they couldn't quite make it in the NFL. So it's not everything, but it will be curious to see if if Brett does play and he plays well, even if they lose, it will definitely be a very poor reflection and a sad one on Drew. It also goes both ways, though. Not that I'm defending Drew Locke, but there's more to being a quarterback than just being heady or recognizing pre-snap coverage, Chad. It, he, the Dolphins are not the Jets' defense. First of all, Brett Rippon is, is not going to win this game if he starts. Second of all, if he does, it would look bad for Locke, but there's also a lot more film on Locke out there than Brett Rippon. This Dolphins' defense is really stingy. Whoever the Broncos quarterback this week is going to be in for a rough game, whether that's Rippon, Driscoll, or Drew Locke. I like Rippon as a number two. He's a good backup to have around in case of an emergency. I just don't see him being this this savior that some Broncos fans make him out to be. He looked okay, but this is all 
recency bias. The Broncos haven't had a quarterback in years, so anyone who looks even a little good is going to be blown up to be amazing. Yeah, he's not the savior. I echo that 100%. He's a very smart, very competent quarterback. He's the type of quarterback coaches love, but at the same time, it's bittersweet. It's love-hate because he's not, as much as coaches love a quarterback like Brett Rippon, he can't save you. He's Listen, not going to get you to the, the close the distance. Brett Rippon is Kellen Morishad. He's he's a great yeah. co- backup quarterback who would make a great play caller or a coach in the future. Bronco Batman, appreciate you jumping in on Super Chat, my friend. He says, thanks for all y'all do to help us through this. Denver Broncos for life. We Thank appreciate you. it, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, Dale Rude jumping in. Good to see you, Dale. Thanks for the superstars uh, question here. He says, can't question Locke's toughness. The guy was physically and mentally beat up yesterday, but kept grinding. And that was something Fangio echoed today as well is that, hey, man, yeah, Drew, toughness is not an issue. Maybe it isn't, Zach, but there's something about um, emotional mental poise in game that we saw completely unravel for Locke yesterday, and we saw it also in the Falcons game, but especially bad in this game where, you know, the bad, he scores a touchdown on the ground, Broncos are about to take the lead, and it gets called back because of a Noah Fant holding penalty, and as we said on on the gut reaction, I I mean, I just knew the next play was going to be a bad play from Locke. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be a pick. I wasn't predicting an interception, but that's just the mindset, the headspace that he's been in of late, where as soon as the, the crack shows in the in the veneer he just kind of has a tendency and it's not even so much going into a shell because going into a shell to me zach means playing conservatively you know not pushing the limits it's more about for drew the it's more about just losing his composure losing his poise losing his focus and so yes is he physically and mentally tough to finish the game yeah absolutely give the man his props but at the same time you know, he, he lost his cool, and that is evidenced, Zach, by the four interceptions yeah. the, the dude threw on the road. Yeah, I do not question for a minute Locke's toughness. Like Chad mentioned, anyone who's had a rib injury before, they know how painful it is just to breathe, let alone take hits and run around and throw a football and play an NFL game. Uh, no question there. But you start to wonder what he can do and what happens, like you mentioned, Chad, after he goes through a rough spell. Anyone who has a cat, at the, cat out there, a house cat, you can see it in their face. They get so revved up, and they have to just burn the energy off. It reminds me of Locke when he throws a pick or he makes a mistake. It's not Paxton Lynch getting down on himself, losing his his momentum and uh, losing his confidence. It's just he gets so charged up because he hates making mistakes. He hates losing. It 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 doubles on it. It's a double whammy. It just it carries over. It translates into more. He can't settle down. I don't see Pax and Lynch on him so much. I just still no. see a young erratic guy who's not getting the right coaching, but also not taking the normal growth on his own as he should be. Uh, Kenny Dietz jumping in to say pod after pod. MHH has given Locke the benefit of the doubt, but as fans of the team, uh, what have what you have seen of Locke? Are you willing with what you have seen of Locke? Are you willing to make him the starter next season, uh, season, potentially have another losing season? Right now, I'm not quite ready to go that far, Kenny, to say yes or no. Right now, if if pushed into a corner, I would say, at, you know, you at least got to bring in some somebody to push lock. And maybe yeah. there's that's what he needs. Maybe he's the type of quarterback that can't just be, I'm the unquestioned guy. Maybe he's, he's someone that kind of has to have his feet held to the fire with the threat of competition. It's, if that's the case, it's unfortunate. But at worst, Zach talked about this after last night's uh, game on the gut reaction, and that is that the Broncos, regardless of whether or not Drew finishes the season strong, 
they're going to have to go out and make an addition in the offseason at quarterback. It's just a matter of, you know, shades of gray, like how well does Drew play in these remaining seven games? That's going to dictate, do they draft a quarterback in the first? Do they draft a quarterback in the mid rounds? Do they just go out and find another veteran band-aid to kind of be, you know, like a, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy who's competent enough and good enough to be that threat, to be that, that uh, temptation to coaches to put him in, but at the same time, not being like, you know, outshining him in terms of draft pedigree. And Zach, as I serve this over to you, I'm, I'm running out of time. So let's rapid fire these. And then, you know, whatever we miss, I know you'll, you'll bring everybody home if I have to dip out. Yeah. Uh, first of all, bring me some Fitz magic to Denver chat. I'm ready for that. He'd be a great clip, you know, a placeholder for a young quarterback, but yeah, we don't know just yet. If he rebounds and we get the lock in the second half of the last couple of games that we've seen, I think it would, he would have momentum to be the starter in 2021. I, I don't think he needed a slam dunk season. I think this year or close to it to cement himself as a 2021 starter. So regardless, I think they're going to have a competition, but like Chad said that he, a point that I made earlier that he echoed it, it, the level of competition, whether they sign a guy like Fitzpatrick or draft a guy like Trey Lance, we just don't know yet, but it's going to be somewhere on that spectrum. This is the overtime podcast network. <laughs> Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Tom jumping in again. Thank you, Tom. He says, no screens, no play action, empty set backfield, no imagination. Shermer's playbook, guys. Yeah, it's not good. It's been bad. I mean, the Broncos have to be, we've said this multiple times on this podcast, the worst team at running screens in the league. I mean, it's just ugly. They can't win for losing and the play action, you know, that's, there was a few plays there where they got drew early in the game into some boots and got him on the run. And he just missed the throws. Usually drew's good on the run. Something he was just off in a big, bad way in Vegas. And, and yeah, Shermer's playbook and Shermer's scheme. And 
the touch share and just the overall game plan was lacking, and so was the play of the offensive line. But Drew just had a hugely off day, Zach. Yeah, he, it, Shermer's game plan wasn't great. His play calling wasn't great as as usual. They did call one tight end screen to Noah Fant that was like blown up for a two yard loss. It, but yesterday again, I can't deny it. I won't try to sugarcoat it. It was not so much on Pat Shermer as it was Drew Locke. He was truly terrible in that game. We jumping in. Thank you, my friend. He says, "How did you guys feel about the Tim Patrick incident?" He knew he'd get ejected, and I felt he quit. The defense is quitting in the second half. Uh, So, look, man, frustrations boil over. Tim Patrick decided to, you know, take himself out of the game, as as it were, Zach. I don't blame him, but it's pro football, dude. Like, you got to be smarter. As they said during the television broadcast, it's always the guy who is reacting that ends up getting busted. Because it was actually Jonathan Abram that started that. It wasn't Tim, but Tim lost his cool because his team was getting destroyed by a bitter division foe whom they all hate. So it's understandable, but that doesn't make it excusable. Right. It's like when two guys are speeding on the road, the, whoever the cops see is going to get the ticket. It's the same thing in the NFL. Tim Patrick got caught. It's bitter rivals. And let's not forget, guys, a couple of years ago, Tillib was snatching chains off of Michael Crabtree. So it could have been worse than that. This is a very bitter rivalry. The Broncos have a lot of frustrations boiling over, like Chad mentioned. It's part of the game. I'm not faulting Patrick too much. Based Gaze jumping in. I got a few more minutes. And appreciate the super chat, my friend. Good to see you. Are you on Twitter? If so, reach out, connect with Zach and myself. He says, considering it took Elway three years to move on from Paxton Lynch, makes me think he'll do the same with Drew Locke. Elway may bring in a veteran to win now to save his job. Now, I think I think Elway's smart enough to know that there's no more, you know, they've tried the model of, you know, we're one middle of the road quarterback away from being a contender. They they tried that model from Peyton Manning on in multiple forms, right? From Peyton, and Peyton, by the way, Peyton being hurt and being so compromised in his final season is what, and going all the way and winning a Super Bowl is what made John Elway believe in this model. But from Trevor Simeon to Case Keenum to Joe Flacco, it's it's just not, a, a, a blueprint that has worked. And I think Elway's at least at this point, smart enough to recognize that, which is actually one of the reasons why you might say he's going to ride it out with Locke because it's either admit defeat on Locke and go back to the quarterback well, or stick with him because you can't go back to another bandaid. Now that doesn't mean you couldn't bring in a Fitzpatrick to be that threat, but you couldn't christen him and just bring him in as the understood quarterback as Joe Flacco wanted to be. Right. What signals to the NFL when you hire a Band-Aid quarterback or you trade for a quarterback like a Flacco or a Keenum, it signals that you're in win-now mode. You expect to compete that year. And conversely, it puts pressure on the front office to follow through with those uh, promises and actually be competitive and actually make the playoffs. When they got Flacco, part of why it was so bad was they thought they'd be a playoff team. They thought they'd be a playoff team again this year. But the excuse that Elway has is, I have a young quarterback. He's making mistakes. He's growing. Don't blame it on me. So if they have a new quarterback, I think it's more likely they draft a guy, especially high up, because he can be like, okay, I'm trying this guy now. I need some time. The quarterbacks take a long time. Anything to buy Elway more longevity in the Broncos' front office, he's going to do. And I think that starts with a young quarterback, not a veteran. Kenneth Booker, one of the Super Chat superstars in our MHH community, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, no easy passes, just thread the needle, or perfect touch passes, no swing passes unless it's too late, and the linebacker has a running start to smash the running back. Zach, you talked a lot about the hospital balls yesterday. I mean, I can think of three, four, five times that you mentioned that for good reason. Some of that was definitely scheme, but it also tied into Drew Locke just being a half beat, sometimes longer, late on so many of his reads and throws. 
And he's also staring down the receiver half the time. So it's, it's not a good combination for a successful passing attack. Indeed not. All right. I got time for one or two more and then we'll dip a uh, DK typer 182 jumping in. Appreciate that generosity, my friend. And this is two days in a row. We've seen DK typer in the super chat. So thank you. He says, Aloha. Keep up the great work. Mahalo for all you guys do go Broncos hang loose. Yes, indeed. We'll, uh, we'll keep hanging loose. And thank you, my friend. We'll keep showing up. And when I go on the road and I got things cooking or Zach's got things cooking, we still find a way to make time for you guys, our audience, and for each other. And Zach and I, we love talking football together. We love talking uh, shop with you guys as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, John, I don't know when that uh, super I mentioned was. I could see it on the back end, but it doesn't show me a timestamp. So I'm going to grab Justin Jarvis real quick, who says, and thank, thank you, Justin. You, Justin. I'm sorry, but didn't Peyton Manning go 3-13 and his first year? I guess the Colts should have cut him and got another QB, a new generation of young adults that only know give me, give me now, uh, give me, give me now, now, give it time. And there's truth to that. And that's a that's a philosophy that Zach and I, you know, we echoed early on in this season to, to a point you have to, you know, give young quarterbacks time to work through this. And this was something Vic Fangio talked about today that Drew just has to continue to play and work through this. It's part of learning how to play in the league. But what makes it more complex, unfortunately, Zach, is the fact that in the modern NFL, quarterbacks don't get much more than one full season. If a, even if they're highly drafted, they don't get much more than one, one and a half seasons to really prove whether or not they can be the guy. That's just the nature of the beast nowadays. You can give them time, but there's a limit to it as well. I, you can't give them forever. And the, the Broncos, I think they want to prove that he can be the guy they envision him to be. They can be the franchise guy. But it's it's a limited shelf life in the NFL, chat. It's what have you done for me lately? And the thing about Locke is he hasn't shown any tangible growth. You, you can deal with the losing. You can deal with the picks. You can deal with everything else if he just shows signs of maturation. And I got a question on Twitter. Uh, it was comparing comp, – comp, comparing Matt Safford and Drew Locke in the same kind of vein as Peyton Manning and Drew Locke. Locke was never going to be Peyton Manning. He was never going to be Mahomes or Matt Stafford or Jay Cutler. He was always going to be Drew Locke, whatever that revealed itself to be. So the the, the comparisons have to stop. All right, two more super chats from me, and then I got to go, and Zach's going to take you all the way home here. KJ Taylor, known as Northern Bronco on Twitter. It's good to see you, my friend. And he reached out to me earlier today on uh, on Twitter. So, Appreciate the support. He was like, hey, man, what can I do to, to support MHH? How can I uh, subscribe? What do I do? And I gave him some options. He's like, I'll be there tonight, my friend. So appreciate the support, KJ. I know you're a former player yourself. And and uh, so, yeah, maybe one of these days we can get you on the show and talk some yeah. football when things slow down. But he says, why aren't we giving Drew an easier time to be successful? And this is a, a sentiment that's been echoed multiple times now in this stream by by Broncos fans. True screen passes, maybe go to the pistol to ease the rush running game. Yeah, there's there's so many whys, man. We I wish we had the answer. I don't know. But the bottom line is it falls at the feet of Pat Shermer. He's not getting it done. From an X and O's perspective, from a game planning perspective, Zach, from a play calling perspective, and then lastly, from a teaching and development perspective on Drew Luck. Uh, you nailed it completely. This is my biggest criticism about the guy for the last 10 weeks. And I know he was bad yesterday, Locke, and the game was on him. But he's been been done no favors with the coaching, the play calling, the management, the roster personnel. They really failed him developmentally, the Broncos did, in 2020. All right. I got to get this one from my boy, Dennis. And, and the reason I wanted to stay on here, 
uh, to grab this one from Dennis is Dennis. I got a message for you, my friend. I tried to tag you last night. Your Twitter account disappeared. I can't tag you on Twitter. So reach out to me if you're still on Twitter. Maybe you just canceled your Twitter. I don't know. But either way, my friend, we appreciate your support. Thank you. And uh, he's rocking the MHH dad hat like a boss. Love it, dude. He says, if Drew doesn't turn it around and knowing we have no chance at Trevor Lawrence unless we give away the farm, we trade up for Fields, trade up for Sewell and hope Drew develops or see what comes our way. At this stage, Zach, I am more inclined to honestly, like, again, I'm not ready to make a definitive decision either way. I'm more inclined to, hey, man, let's let the dust settle on this atrocious season. Let's let our stars that have been hurt all year get healthy. Let's continue to to stock the shelves, grab a Sewell. Maybe that's the answer in the first round, whatever falls to you, and give it one last hurrah in John Elway's contract year, which would also end up being Von Miller's contract year. I echo that. Yeah, I want to see how Locke ends the season. I want to see what the Broncos are picking because if they're picking, let's say, 12th, I don't want them to trade up to two and give away the farm for quarterback. But if they're in the top five, it's different. Uh, we do not know the answer to that. So ask us again. I think uh, January 1st, we'll have a clearer picture. All right, guys, I do have to dip out myself, but Zach is going to take you all the way home here tonight. Maybe John will hop on. I don't know. Maybe get a little surprise here. But uh, appreciate you guys. I, I got to give you a mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. And much love to each and every one of you for joining us here tonight on Facebook, on Twitch, on Twitter, and YouTube. Love each and every one of you, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday night. But, Zach, thanks for taking it all the way home, my friend, and I'll talk to you. uh, I'll talk to you later tonight, but uh, rock on, my friend. Thank you. Have a good night, Chad. All right, guys. We'll see All right, Mondunga's hopping in. Solo pod time. What's up, Mondunga's 499 donation? Thank you so much for that. He says, Drew Locke's mistakes aside, if he is hurt in a way that will affect his already inaccurate throw, sit him, let him heal, and let someone else take it. It's going to be a pain tolerance thing, like I said. If if the trainers deem he can't go, if he's in too much pain to turn or throw the ball, if he's wincing, they're not going to play him. But I believe the Broncos' inclination and the Broncos' preference is to play Drew Locke if only to make sure and cement his status as either the guy or not the guy. And Mondungus, I know you're a big Brett Rippon fan and you're not a big Locke fan. You might get your wish. I'm not saying Locke is a lock to start Sunday, no pun intended, but it's a pain tolerance thing. If he can go, he's going to go. If he can't go, he won't go. All right, Jim Hilton hopping in here with a comment. Thank you so much for watching tonight's show, Jim. He goes, Locke needs a teaching type of coach before we write him off. This is a point that I've made uh, in my defensive lock before last night's game. I want to see him with a real deal offensive coordinator, not Scangarello, a first-time guy, not Pat Shermer, who's, who's proved to be an incompetent coordinator, at least for uh, Locke's skill set in this system. I love to see him with the enemy. I love to see him with a Cliff Kingsbury. I like to see him with a, a Joe Brady, a creative, legit offensive mind, Andy Reid, Matt LaFleur. Can you imagine what he can do or at least look a little more competent, be an average quarterback, maybe above average? So it might not work out that way. The NFL, like I've mentioned many times before, it, it's really what have you done for me lately. Quarterbacks don't get three and four years anymore. Look at Josh Rosen. You either perform immediately or they will find someone who will perform. I would love to see it, Jim. I'm right there with you, but there's, there's a chance that we'll never get that opportunity. Naj jumping in. 1999 donation. Thank you so much, Naj. And uh, to echo Chad right now, you become quickly a Super Chat superstar. So thank you. He says, brothers, you've nailed the accountability issue. Where is the leadership? Without Vaughn, there's been a leadership void. Every week, players take ownership like Reisner this week, but they don't back it up with their play. Well, where does accountability start? Where does leadership start? At the very, very top. And I'm not talking necessarily about John Elway. 
That starts with a Vic Fangio. And I saw a comment in the chat tonight that kind of echoed what I've been saying the last uh, the entire season pretty much. When you see Fangio on the sideline, he is literally standing there stone-faced like this. Nothing else. There's no emotion. There's no cursing. I saw him pacing yesterday, so at least he's moving. At least his blood's flowing. But he has that the, the visor thing on, the beekeeper's visor on. He's just standing there, very lax and very passive. I don't like a coach like that. I like a coach who gets in someone someone's face. I like a coach like Chucky. Not saying he's a great coach, but I like the fire he brings. He's spitting, he's yelling, he's cursing. I want that guy because that guy is going to hold the players accountable. No one is buying into Fangio's message any longer of the no death by inches and uh, let's do it the old school way and I'm this big mob boss, this mafia type. If you can't win in the NFL, you're a joke. Josh McDaniels trying to be Belichick with the Broncos, and he was a joke. And Fangio is quickly becoming that. He's losing the respect of the locker room because he's not making any changes to hold the players or coaches accountable. Elijah Wilkinson, uh, Nigel Bradham, Pat Shermer, Philip Lindsay. You can start from the lower to the bottom end, lower to the top, I mean. But all the things and all the mistakes and all the, the, the miscues this year, I think start with Fangio and then work their way down. Kevin Peterson jumping in, $5 donation. Thank you so, so much, Kevin. Good to see you. When we start our drives like five times inside our own eight, we're doomed. Spencer looked confused. The entire special teams, I mean, at this point, guys, it's 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 a crap show. It's like uh, the Benny Hill theme music needs to play when they when they run around the field. That's Tom McMahon and why he still has a job at 651 Mountain Time on Monday, November 16th, 2020. I have no clue. It's the entire operation. In terms of the offense starting inside their own five, I, I mean, that's just the flow of the game. It's game flow. The Broncos offense are always at a deficit. They're, the defense is always playing from behind. It's just negative game flow on all sides of the ball. It's a sign of a, a bad team. I hate to say it. Isaiah jumping in, 199. Thank you, Isaiah. Speechless today, fellas. Stay up, MHH family. We're trying. I mean, I would be speechless, but I have to talk right now. It's part of my living. I, I love interacting with you guys, but I don't blame you if you're down today, if you're sullen today. It was a disappointing game yesterday, and that's why I mentioned to you I'm not reacting one way or another. I'm just the finality, I think, of certain things and the resignation of this season has, has sunk in with me, and I think a lot of you guys as well. Flippin' Booch, 199. Thank you, Flippin'. Why can't we adjust to the Blitz? What do you think the answer is there? Uh, if you're talking about, you know, obviously the offense, Drew Locke adjusting to the Blitz, that's on coaching and the preparation and what they're drilling into his head and also on Drew Locke for not recognizing the coverage, not recognizing the blitzers, not recognizing the defense. Again, I can talk until I'm literally blue in the face, but you guys are asking the questions that variate between the same two answers. It's Pat Shermer and Drew Locke. Some games, it's more one than the other, but they're always both complicit. They're always both responsible for the crap show that is the Broncos offense. The only exception is yesterday. For the first time, I can say this unequivocally, it was mostly Drew Locke. Pat Shermer will always be complicit as long as he's employed by Denver. But he- Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Yesterday, the majority of the blame, and I say this now while I'm looking at you, goes to number three. What else, John? Elvis. Elvis saw... I'm not even going to pronounce that last name. I don't want to butcher it. Thank you, Elvis, for hopping in here. I think Locke let his 4-1 get to his head, and he hasn't been the same. Elway got him another running back and wide receiver during the offseason to help him, and he hasn't done anything since last year. He got too comfortable. I don't subscribe to that. I don't think Locke got too comfortable. I think he was a young quarterback who was trying to be a leader of a team and trying to be uh, the guy the Broncos painted him to be. He he marched with his team during the protest. He's he's a leader of the team on the field. He tries to bring an energy to the team. I don't think he got comfortable. It's not his fault he was handed the quarterback job. It's not his fault the Broncos didn't sign a better backup. Uh, the Broncos, I think, did a good job surrounding him with weapons, minus the right tackle. And, and Locke hasn't delivered. But I don't think the reason for his regression this year was uh, was because he was apathetic to the process. I think he was giving his all, and his all right now is not good enough. Truce the Poet hopping in. $2 donation. Thank you so, so much, Truce. Why not just run Missouri's playbook? Simple. I mean... I mean, I get, why not just play Madden on the field and see what happens? It's a whole different thing to translate over Missouri College to the NFL. What's the old saying? You can play the, the best college team versus the worst NFL team, and the worst NFL team will blow them out every time. It's a lot more difficult in theory and practicality. They have a lot of Missouri concepts in the Broncos playbook, or at least they did under Sangarello, but to transfer everything over 100%, it won't work. Kenneth, good to see you, Kenneth Booker. 199 donation, thank you. When are you going to have a guest on again? We haven't, I mean, full disclosure, we haven't really talked about that. We're right in the thick of the season right now. We want to kind of uh, deal with the Broncos and finish off the season. We, we, Chad has mentioned having some superstar guests on. That has not ended. I can promise you that. We took a bit of a break because the season got in full swing, but we will have guests on again soon. I promise you. Dave from Georgia. What's up, Dave? I, he goes, I think most fans don't remember the lean years that preceded the Elway trade. I, I'm sure most Broncos fans do. And the thing is about Broncos fans, a comment was was spot on earlier. People's psychology in general, not just young people, is remembering lately. When you block out what happens, let's say, 20, 30 years down the road, it's the last five years. Because after the Elway trade and up until 2016, they were one of the best teams regularly in the entire NFL, the Broncos. And up until 2016, they've become just irrelevant. 
a playoffless team, just a, a, a hopeless team, a wayward team. So I'm sure fans remember, but they also remember Elway hoisting that Lombardi trophy, and they're thinking to themselves, that was five years ago. What has happened in that short period of time where we're now here instead of there? Yes, hit the thumbs up, guys. Real quick, another shout-out. Hit the thumbs up. You want to support us? We mean means a lot to us. Thank you. Dank Buds and Black Metal 499. Thank you, Dank Buds. Great username. If he's hurt again, that seems like it might be a wrap, fellas. He's already playing scared, and if Rippin comes in, plays better, then that's then. Peace. We addressed this question earlier. I, I wouldn't be a, a great look for Locke if Rippin came in and balled out, but... I don't think that's going to happen. He's playing a really tough, even at Denver, a very tough Dolphins defense. That game could get ugly quickly for Denver if Tua scores on them and puts Rippin if he's starting in a hole. There's no savior on this roster. With this coaching staff, this offensive line, just the way this year has gone in general, no, no Cortland Sutton, a beat-up offense, no quarterback is saving them. And if, if Rippin is, is not going to be the guy, like I said, there's more to it than just being heady and recognizing pre-snap coverage. He doesn't have an NFL arm. He is not an NFL starting caliber quarterback. I hate to say it. Mr. Casillo, good to see you. $5 donation. Thank you so, so much. He goes, the offensive line has been tough to watch at times, but some of that is also unlocked by not identifying things at the line and changing plays away from blitzing. Again, a, a, a lot of you guys are echoing the same point. It, it's not just on Pat Shermer, and it's not just on Drew Locke, but the mistakes you saw yesterday are characteristics of Locke's game. That's the narrative he's writing for himself. Being erratic, not recognizing coverage, not recognizing free rushers. I hammered him for this yesterday. He literally had his back to a free rusher and did not have an an ounce of feel for him. That is all on Drew. But you have to wonder, if you saw it last year from Locke as a rookie, I don't want to hear about uh, teams have tape on him and he got comfortable. I don't want to hear that, those excuses. If he can recognize coverage last year, if he can do a lot of the things he can't do this year, what happened? He doesn't have amnesia. He didn't have a brain injury, a brain transplant. It's the coaching. So you wonder again, if he can't master the fundamentals of football, why is it all on him, a young quarterback, and not somewhat at least on the coach who is hired to bring him along? If he's not mastering football 101, you have to look to the superior as to why that's occurring. Flipping Booch, I saw the play call five times. I've seen the same play calls every single drive. It's the same script every single drive. Sometimes they run on first down. Sometimes they throw deep on first down. But it's the same game script, no matter opponent, deficit, score, time of the day, month, whatever. That's, again, on the coaching. Kenneth, 199. Thank you, Kenneth. Call David Cutcliffe. He can save Locke's career. Maybe. Uh, maybe he's the one, maybe he can be, you know, uh, the savior for the Broncos coaching staff and the savior for Drew Locke. I, you have to wonder though, is Locke too far gone now? Is he Josh Rosen? Is he David Card? We don't know. He's taken a lot of hits. He's had three injuries now in less than two full seasons as the Broncos starting quarterback. And at least two of them can be con- attributed to the Broncos offensive line. You wonder about his psyche. You wonder about his development. Is he stunted? I don't know. I, I mean, there's there's great offensive minds out there, but are they the ones that can unlock Drew? Pun intended. We don't know. What else, John? Jamie Vega notes Pat Bowen passed away is what happened. I don't... Listen, not having an owner at the top and having that ownership void is not great for the organization, but not having an owner was not the reason the Broncos are bad this year. It wasn't the reason they were bad last year. That falls on the quarterback play, and it falls on the coaching. 
You can't blame the trust. You can't blame Mr. B for passing away. You can blame Elway, and you can certainly blame Thick Fangio for what happened this year. If they had proper coaching and quarterbacking, we wouldn't be getting these questions right now. They'd be a competitive team. So I don't really attribute much to the ownership uh, issues right now. What else? George hopping in. Thank you so much, George, for uh, tuning in tonight. He goes to Shermer Let Lock Audible. Um, I would hope so. I, I would hope he, he he allows him the freedom at the line to change the play and and do as he sees fit. But nothing is a given with Pat Shermer. Nothing is taken for granted for with Pat Shermer. If his prodigy Drew Lock, if his pupil, his pet project cannot master reading coverage or getting rid of the ball, throwing it away, taking a sack, elementary football stuff, then why would we assume Shermer would do any good? Why would we assume Shermer could do even the most obvious things, the most basic things? He won't call a screen pass. He won't get the ball into his playmaker's hands. So letting Locke audible? I hope so. Holden, 499. Thank you so much, Holden. Is there any silver lining to Locke for the rest of the season? Oh, to look for. uh, Excuse me for that. The silver lining is... If you're a lock hopeful supporter that he does decently for the rest of the season and kind of uh, repairs his stock, gives him some momentum going into 2021 in the offseason, the younger players getting the balls into the hands of the guys who drafted, like Noah Fan and Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, the young talent on the team. Because regardless of what happens, there's going to be a season next year, and the Broncos have to determine who they're going to pay, who they're not going to pay, who they're going to keep, who they're going to cut. So to look for this season as a scouting tool. I think you guys should shift from playoff hopes to kind of scouting hopes. Put your scouting cap on. Look for the younger talent on the roster, the the roster, uh, the bubble players, what they can do. A lot to look forward to, but it all starts with Locke and what if he can establish himself as either the guy or someone they're going to get rid of. Uh, Buona wants to know, any thoughts on Shelby Harris? I see you, Buona. Um, yes, we, I don't think we touched on this tonight, but Shelly Harris, I'll have the article up, uh, in about an hour, but he's actually going to be out for Sunday. Uh, Fangio announced today. So he's not going to be playing Sunday. And, uh, that sucks for the Broncos. Again, he's one of their best defensive linemen. His loss was definitely felt against the, uh, in last week's game. And, uh, they have to get on with their other defensive linemen. I'm not too worried though. I'd love to have Shelby out there, but you have Deshaun Williams looking good. His team's making plays. You have some other defensive linemen, but no, Shelby Harris will be out on su- for Sunday's game. All right, take a few more guys. We're running a little low on time. A few more minutes, I'll, I'll stay on here for you. Chandler jumping in. Thank you, Chandler. Been watching the show while battling the bug this week. Thanks for giving me something to do while I sit in the Q word. First of all, Chandler, thank you for tuning in tonight, first of all. Second of all, best wishes to you. I can extend those from Chad as well, from John as well. I hope you are getting better. I hope you're improving. It's a very scary situation. Let us know if you can. we can do anything to help. Reach out to us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Thank you for your support, and again, feel better soon. What else, John? Take a few more here. All right, the Jedi is hopping in. Locke needs to needs the drive to succeed and always wants to win. Keeping things simple and a positive approach makes the other players comfortable and ready to win. I if you're talking about getting lock and rhythm makes him better quarterback. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> any quarterback plays better in rhythm, but some quarterbacks thrive off the momentum. Like Chad was talking about lock is one of those guys. It's the same reason why he's never going to, I don't think ever going to roll out of a game throwing for a hundred yards and two touchdowns in the first quarter. He's a guy who picks up momentum like a rock rolling downhill. It's not that slow at the top, but when it gets to the bottom, 
it's going pretty fast. And that's why he's looked good in the fourth quarter. It's that's where I think it falls on the coaching to have a game plan where you get locked into a rhythm from the opening whistle, not until the fourth quarter, not until you're losing. And Pat Shermer, you can knock lock for his injuries and his erraticness all you want, but Pat Shermer has not shown that for one week as the Broncos coordinator. That's the fact. Dave from Georgia. Thank you so much, Dave, for your donation. I'm disappointed with this season, but I still say if this team gets healthy, we will be tough to deal with. You can argue. You can argue that if they had Cortland Sutton, they had Von Miller, they had, you know, Gerald Casey, Mike Purcell, everyone else, that they'd be a more competitive team. But they would have went as far as their quarterbacking and their coaching would have taken them. And injuries or not, pandemic or not, I just don't think, looking back on it now, knowing what we know now, that either Pat Shermer is the right coordinator for this team, and you can maybe start to argue that Drew Locke isn't the quarterback for this team. They would have been... I think incrementally better by having your best two players on the field, Miller and Sutton, but the overall trajectory of the Broncos season, I think it would have remained unchanged. The robot of doom hopping in. I ain't afraid of Tua. He has like what one 200 yard game. We got a shot. All we need is legit spark. And it comes down to lock. Listen, I'm not saying the Dolphins are world beaters, but they're six and three. They're they're hitting their stride right now. Uh, They benched Fitzpatrick while they were winning to put in Tua and he's undefeated so far. I wouldn't look at his numbers. I, what he can do with his legs through the air, what he brings to the team, they have some playmakers on the outside. And it's not just that. Miami's defense under Brian Flores, who's a great NFL head coach so far, I'm very impressed. They are stingy. They have some good players in that secondary, good players in that defense. So it's not going to matter what Tua does if that, if that Miami defense stifles lock, and that very well could happen. All right, guys, that is going to do it for tonight's podcast. It's been a little bit of a weird one because Chad had to travel. Um, he had to hop out early. I wanted to just uh, stay on with you guys, take a few more questions. He will be back, Chad and I, the Huddle Up podcast on Wednesday evening, same time. I am assuming for now we're going to have a mostly normal show. I don't think Chad's going to have to dip out. It's going to be the normal Huddle Up podcast. But until then, guys, be sure, as always, we always remind you to subscribe to like, and to share this video and every video you see on the Mile High Huddle Network on YouTube. It helps us exponentially. We cannot thank you anymore for all that you do. Also, if you guys have time, be sure to hit the merchandise store at huddleuppod.com. Get yourself a coffee mug, as you see behind me, the hat I'm wearing, t-shirt, hoodie, face mask. We always pimp it for good reason. A lot of good stuff in there. Go get you some swag. Also, be sure to follow Mile High Huddle for all your latest breaking Broncos news, analysis, opinion, stories, game breakdowns, everything and anything from My Lie Huddle. Follow Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL, as you see in your lower left-hand corner. Also, I want to give a little shout-out to John. Follow our producer on, on Twitter at John K M H H. Good guy, good Broncos fan. Again, guys, we'll be back um, on Wednesday evening, same time as always, normal time, normal show. Keep your chin up. You can revel in the loss. You know, it's it's good to feel sorry for yourself every now and then, but we will have much more to break down. We'll have much more on locks, injury statics. Keep it locked to the website. And until next time, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine, they pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.